Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all the Star Trek that we care to watch. This is Jim. <laughs> this is Aaron. And we are here to discuss the first episode of Season 2 of Strange New Worlds, uh, titled The Broken Circle. Aaron, how'd you feel about this episode? It's funny because I feel like a lot of people coming from our Picard coverage are going to be somewhat shocked by some of my takes um, because, you know, I'm usually kind of critical about evil Federation takes and, you know, uh, stealing starships and uh, character swings that are kind of weird and unexpected. But I feel like because of the format and the time period in which this show takes place, they neatly dodge all of those. Like, it's okay, actually for Spock to be kind of emotional and have tears in his eyes as he's saving Nurse Chapel uh, because he is, this is a younger, less self-assured, less uh, in control of his Vulcan um, human emotions. And as the doctor pointed out, there's, there's a story reason for it too. He lowered those inhibitions to tap into his anger to defeat the Gorn. And now we're dealing with that emotional fallout this season. Um, the Federation is not uh, quite the, it's headed there. It's not quite the utopia that we get to in the next generation era. So, like, a lot of the stuff that, like, uh, I kind of, like, um, uh, go to war on against the, the, the next generation era, it's just not going to it's not going to happen in this era. Uh, mm-hmm. So having said that, I thought this was a really strong start, especially since we essentially sidelined Captain Pike, the star of the show. And uh, flip the keys over to Doctor Mbinga and Nurse Chapel and Doc- and uh, Mister Spock, and mm-hmm. they carry it no problem. A little, little kind of like ah, Spock's sex life. Oh my god. Oh my god. Can we get away from <laughs> Spock's sex life? But that's definitely the not. only, only real criticism. And I'm kind of hot for the Gorn invasion. That this, oh yeah, this, yeah. This seems like a hell of a season uh, long arc if that's what they choose to do with it. What about you, Jim? Uh, yeah, I ended up liking it quite a bit um, with with a couple small caveats, but nothing that ruined the episode for me. Uh, th- th- this, like you said, is a different time in Star Trek, and I keep having to remind myself of that uh, every time they do something that's a little, I guess, out of wild my next West generation Steve. wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, totally Wild West. Uh, this is the Federation that will let James T. Kirk captain a starship right <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't know if that flies in the 24th century federation but they have an old boys network at the federation in uh-huh. this era i think yeah, <laughs> have we this seen is a, have the we... scotch sipping uh yeah. cigar chomping version of the federation orion and... slave girl fucking yeah uh-huh. it's uh it's, it's 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 a wild wild era of star trek completely um and, and i feel like that makes it uh yeah, the, some of these things more forgivable, but also a little more fun at times. I mean, I always don't get me wrong. I love the Next Generation, huge fan. It's my favorite of the the Star Treks. 
but I also kind of like getting out of that sort of confined envelope every once in a while. Um, and so, yeah, going back to this era feels pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm a little... I guess I, I looking at it at the beginning of the episode was a little disappointed that Pike wasn't going to be around. Uh, like by the end of the episode, I noticed, hey, they never got back to that lawyer thing or whatever they were doing at the beginning. That's strange. And it, I don't know because I'm not like super crazy interested in that part of it. So it was kind of nice that it wasn't in this episode. But I know that means later that it's going to be like a full episode of that. And I don't know yeah. that I'm going to enjoy that episode very much, depending yeah, on what they how- do with it. How long are they going to keep the first officer locked up in jail because of racial purity violations or whatever? That's another thing about yeah, this, this federation. Tampering. They're, uh, you know, they're a little bit more reactionary than than maybe other eras. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because um, long term, you know, we, we know that the, this number one gets sidelined in favor for spot of Spock. Mm-hmm. Um but but I, I it feels it feels like it's a little early in the show to be doing that. So yeah, I anticipate there's going to be some kind of what measure yeah. of a man style le- like are they going to get a, like a Boston legal? Could be yeah, defend her sentience. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the a plot of a 45 minute episode that'll yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. And I'm I'm with you. I'm not super interested in that. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a couple. There's like one or two other things I'll file under cringe. But. Star Trek has you got a pretty big if you look at their C file it's pretty big there's there's, there's historically historically Star Trek is engaged in quite a bit even when I was a 13 year old watch I'm like Jesus Christ this is kind of I'm 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 this is why this is kind of a dirty secret I keep from my 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 friends at school that mm-hmm. I watch this show this is some cringe shit yeah, uh, I mean, there's penis shaped rocks that Spock is holding as he's running around a cave sure the, <laughs> some ridiculous shit happened I was thinking more of his uh, catchphrase uh that uh, oh the modern, god the, the the modern era okay you leaned into that at the end of picard and i'm like okay i'll allow it lean back out you've already leaned way too i i i gave you an inch and you leaned a mile it's time to unlean away from the every captain having their goddamn catchphrase because it's two episodes into it we we've hit bedrock cringe we can't <laughs> we can't do it no more yeah i i don't know man i i really wanted to hear what seven of nines phrase was but they don't oh, you're give it going to, us. to here we have to hear it's, this one it's 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 not i mean maybe the writer strike will give them the time to lean out but like i, I think it's already too late to keep us from understanding what 709's catchphrase is going to be hopefully it'll be something better oh my god Sp- spock is just i would like the ship just, to go now yeah and just mm, yeah but overall really like it <laughs> yeah fine here, and, here's the other cringe thing in this episode I am not a fan of Carol oh. Kane. I oh no, I am not. And but the weird thing about that is the same thing they did with Pike this episode. It happens at the very beginning, and then mm. they just fucking drop her. She's the ship's chief engineer. They're getting into space battles. They just drop her. Why? And then she comes well, back at the very end. You know the the thing that I know her the most from is her duet with Billy Crystal in A Princess Bride. She's Miracle Max's right. wife, the Woods Witch. Yeah, she like Mister Crystal himself is a strong flavor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's playing a capital C character. So it, I mean, but you know what, Scotty, Scotty is a character. 
uh we've we've had we've had engineers that are characters before in the show mm-hmm. uh i i'm gonna withhold judgment because i i kind i kind of like her i kind of like her i kind okay, of like I mean, Billy Crystal. Their own. I, uh, look i'm over here drinking coffee i know you're not a fan but i like right. coffee it's a strong flavor yeah uh it, it's just not my flavor like i i it would feel weird if Wee herman were on the bridge of a star trek ship uh Carol Kane's one of those those characters, like you said, that just feels weird. I feel like we're on the verge of being the Muppet, uh, uh, the, what do they call that, Wald, Wardall, Wardall, Waldorf and Statler. We're like, hey, this episode's pretty good, kind of liked it, uh, except for that one cringe part. <laughs> yeah, I hate the engineer. Oh, what about Spock's a boo? Yeah, we're, we've, we've turned into a hater cast within five minutes. Should we get to the hmm. recap itself, or... Probably should. I mean, there's tons of good stuff in here. So yeah, let's do it. Uh, up front, since this is a new, we we this is a retrofitted feed. This is a Picard class pad, podcast feed A one seven zero one A. The refit includes a new email address: Star Trek at baldmove dot com. Uh, that should handle us going forward for our Star Trek needs. Star Trek at baldmove dot com. If you got uh, opinions on anything we have to say, we will uh, get around to answering it in the fullness of time. Absolutely. Set phases to add. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Captain on Bridge, welcome back to Baldy Go. All right, let's start with the recap. Uh, Enterprise is getting a tune-up at Starbase 1 while the crew takes some leave, and we see that there's some tension at Starfleet, but we don't know what it's about yet. Uh, Starbase 1 orbiting Jupiter. I guess that I just saw Starbase 1 d- 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 nigh destroyed uh, in orbit of uh, the ter- t- uh, the 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 Earth the third planet, third rock from the sun. Uh, I did not know that uh, the star base could just kind of wander like that. Or maybe there was a star base one in Jupiter and it got blown up and they rebuilt it around. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, the- that was kind of a commute. Can we just rebuild yeah. it here? Yeah. Why, why do we have star base one parked several astronomical units away from, <laughs> from the yeah. seat of the Federation of power? I'm not sure. Uh, no. It looks great, though. I love... The kind of like old school Starbase envisioning where it has these big like, uh, I don't know what you call those, biome pods. There's like an Everest biome and a tropical jungle biome. Uh, and and I also love the way, this is one of my favorite things about the show, the way this show looks retro future. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this in the, in the preview podcast. That this is kind of like popular mechanics conception of the future from the 60s which is what star trek was and i really love the shuttlecraft that got the kind of like angular old galileo style looking but it's also like with the full budget of a 2023 science fiction show uh it's it's perfect it's perfect and you got all these crazy like drones flying around too these repair drones and and whatever i really like you know i really like how busy the starport looks um 
in a way that like you know uh i remember lucas did the special editions and that tatooine they had the spaceport and it was always kind of barren and desert and it's you know supposed to be this bustling thing and they didn't have the budget for it and then they just filled it up in the pre uh in the uh uh in the special editions and it looked kind of busy for the sake of busy um i don't for some reason the starbase doesn't look like that like i I believe that there's probably traffic flying in and out. Any kind of like, if you've seen them fitting a ship that's about to go off in a voyage and there's cranes going everywhere and boxes delivering and boats coming in and out and fuel bunkers. And it's like, it, it felt like a 22nd century version of that, mm-hmm. uh, 23rd century version of that. And I thought, I thought that was really cool. And it didn't look like it. it it's like, yeah, this is probably what it's supposed to look like. It didn't look like, an empty thing that it was only empty because of is, is a budget is, is 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 a bustling base of activity yeah I, I like the use of all the drones uh the one thing i don't understand is why you would fly shuttles into that cacophony uh you have transporters right why are you flying a shuttle to try and dock with the enterprise when there's so much shit going on that is a good question um I don't I don't know cuz like well I'm 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 guessing that like did they come from earth? Like Pike and you know he's talking about uh, talking with the top brass and all that did he just come from earth like at Starfleet command or is there Possibly. a detachment of Starfleet command here in the starbase? That that would make sense but but you're right. But they buzzed the tower of the Enterprise there right? They're like within yeah. a few hundred yards of it maybe which yeah. seems way too close with all that self-driving activity. shuttlecraft they're just really safe they just uh, it's a ballet I, suppose, yeah. all, I mean the drones uh, have to be self-guided so yeah why not have to have to anyway uh yeah we find out the commander pelia is going to be running the inspections and upgrades and stuff um pike's looking for loopholes to keep una free and in starfleet uh, she doesn't want his help, but he's pretty insistent. He says he's going to go take a three-day leave to go talk to, I guess, a lawyer who doesn't want to take their case. I, am I supposed to know who this person is, or are they just teasing I don't, for later? I, I I thought maybe they're this is the relationship uh, the the with the Starfleet officer to Pike had that you know kind of got interrupted last season when she arrested his first officer. I don't but like, think so. I rewound and watched it a couple more times. Yeah. I'm like I I know I think this is like space Johnny Cochran. Yep, it's like a, totally. like like a like a very talented lawyer, and they're trying to get him, but she's got a unwinnable case. So mm-hmm. it's it's tough. If the going. jeans fit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> if the jeans are not spliced, you have to be nice. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't, but I that's I, I surmise that it's, it must be a new character that we're going to uh, get introduced to pretty pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, we also find out that they still have no chief engineer or head of security because Lon has, uh, has fucked off after the Gorn episode sure. to uh, go find Oriana's family. And Spock's going to take command while Pike is gone for those three days. Something tells me it's not going to be three days. It's going to be a lot longer than that. Mm, see, I took that as me them explaining that we'll probably get to this in the next episode. Uh-huh. I think so, but I think some bad things are going to happen I'm sure you can't just have it be uneventful and or an episode where he goes and like the whole episode is him trying to convince a lawyer to take a case I think that's a that's an A plot and then you got a B and C plot the B uh, there'll be some kind of sure. sexcapade with Spock uh, T'Pring's going to come back and he's going to you know still want to maintain a bedside vigil over Nurse Chapel and he's going to be doing a lot of pulling on his collar and Vulcan flop sweating and then the C plot will be 
Mbinga going back, uh, stealing a shuttlecraft to go visit his star child. Yeah, okay. I, that sounds yeah. like a 45 minute episode of Star Trek. I can, mm-hmm. I can rock with that. I gotta steal a ship in every episode. They, they This is going to be the ship stealing season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching a crea- an interview with the 17 executive producers that make the show and apparently it's going to be ship stealing season. Piracy. Full on piracy. Yeah. Uh, but they do completely drop this plot at this point. Um, so Spock gets checked up on by the doctor who diagnoses him with stress and prescribes a Vulcan loot uh, to treat it. Nurse Chapel comes in. The doctor notices Spock's response and Chapel um, then says, ah, I'm going to go apply for a fellowship in archaeological medicine, which I, I assume she's still going to do after the events of this episode. Hmm. I don't know what archaeological medicine is. That's interesting. I was like, wondering the exact same thing. Is this uh, like penicillin? Are, are they they going to like look at what they were doing in the 19th, 20th century and be like, have hmm, they lost a recipe for penicillin the way we lost our recipe for Roman concrete? It's like, yeah. it's something with mold and bread, but there's a million different breads and there's a million different molds. I don't, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Try Try a bite of each. See what happens. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like an anthropology kind of thing. Like you go and study uncontacted planetary tribes and see what kind of like, you know, like they're taking herbs and stuff. Can we run these through a tricorder and isolate the polymer strands that uh, make your white blood cells feel good? I don't know. I, I raised I my, I, I cocked my part. Vulcan eyebrow at <laughs> archaeological medicine too. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I hope they get an episode with that in it because that I am interested in. So like the, but the overall meaning, it feels to me like nurse chapels trying to get off the ship, but also something that maintains a closeness to Spock. Mm. So it's like to me, this was coded of like, she knows she's trying to get out of a situation. that's kind of sticky, but also she is down with the copper blooded Vulcan. And uh, this is mm-hmm. how they, they signal that to us. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, the maintenance team is doing some updates, and it's kind of annoying the Enterprise crew on the bridge. Uh, Uhura primarily, because she's constantly getting messages, apparently. We found also Ensign Ortega is one of history's greatest monsters. She's one of those gamers that flips her Y-axis upside mm-hmm. down. Like, Inverted what the fuck? Inverted controls. Yep. What the fuck? Jesus. I don't know. Well, what are you going to do? her better. Uh, do you think that that will pay off later in the season when some other ensign has to take over her console and suddenly they try to take yeah. the ship up and it crashes into the planet because, <laughs> oh, Jesus, who the fuck flipped the axis here? This is non-standard. It this won't is be highly that dangerous. catastrophic, but yeah, I totally see that coming. This isn't all Elkar's neither. She fucking wired a physical switch or joystick or something. It's, it's yeah. going to be hard to change. But apparently she's the only she's the only ensign. She flies the ship 24 hours a day and needs no sleep. I or guess. The, all the or, she, or she's got, got a deal with the other ones. She got a side stick. A side she's stick? A, she's got a, a stick off. The, she just she hard, she she hardwired a stick to the side of the console. It's her, It's the Ortega stick. All right. Yeah. It's like when, they, when Riker takes the Enterprise D into manual control. <laughs> Yes, and it just pops up a special a Logitech Thrustmaster up for him. Uh-huh. To, uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh did you 
Did you notice who was fussing with Uhura over uh, shutting down her comms panel? No. It's Drummer's husband. One of her uh, many husbands from The Expanse. He's in everything. He was mm-hmm. just in Yellow Jacket. Samer Salam. Salam. Salem? Samer Salem is his name. Uh, okay. And he's just in all the science fiction stuff now. Yeah, I never notice him, but apparently he's in everything. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, oh. Speaking of Uhura, she yeah. gets a distress signal from Laan and tells Spock about it. And Spock goes to Starfleet to ask permission to go after her. And they say, absolutely not. Because some complicated thing where the planet she's on is actually in the custody of the Klingons as part of the treaty. They swap it every 30 days between the Klingons and the Federation. Because um, it's a dilithium mining planet. Now, if you know anything about yes. starships, you know, dilithium is the if thing that allows warp drive to work. It's a, it, it's, it allows you to pass matter and antimatter together and annihilate them in a controlled and it tunes this plasma stream to, to get pure power out of it. So it's like uh, it's essentially the petroleum of our day. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I did laugh at the idea of like in the early 80s, the United States and the USSR uh, mm-hmm. jointly sharing a petroleum plant in the Middle East where they flip control every 30 days. <laughs> like, Can you imagine like I mean, day 30 of that would just be sabotage uh, and and like shitting in the upper deck of the toilets and like right, they'd be right. doing so much garbage there that stealing all the, the Q and the apostrophe keys so the Klingons can't uh-huh. send email because inverting all the controls right all every, the, all the every miners. proper noun every Klingon proper noun has a Q and an apostrophe somewhere in it uh-huh. so they're just they're just yeah they're fucked totally fucked yeah that wouldn't work there's no situation under which that would work except for a television show where it's written to work yeah, but it's a it's an interesting concept, and it does drive a lot of the action. Um, before we move on to the the uh, other interesting stuff, I want to take a couple. Of, um, I want to take a moment to talk about. Uh, we talked about how good the the show looks in in terms of Starbase, but this bridge. I just think I, every time I see it in like a, a like a full screen, they always have this come some kind of crazy rotating Dutch angle as you go through it. But it's like such a great blending of like literally the layout of the old series mm-hmm. with like modern materials and camera techniques a little bit of jj abrams style lens flaring and it just it just looks like a million bucks mm-hmm. uh and i also really like the t- like the fact that they give uh spock as vulcan lear liar lear loot uh-huh. um which we saw him play in the old series like anytime there was like a spock episode it would like open on him in his quarters playing his his loot and and it's like back backfitting this to be like a stress relieving thing that he does to manage his human emotion. I just thought that was yeah. cool. It's, it's like it's a nice way to meditation. Yeah. It's a nice way to, to uh, take those nuggets from the past things and, and not just ex- not even explain them, but just give them another dimension, which mm-hmm. I think is cool. Yeah. I do too. Um, I, I will also say on the ship, I'm really starting to come around on the design of this particular enterprise. Uh, I was not a fan of those tapered nacelles for a long time. Yeah, I think uh, it's growing on me for sure. I always thought it was pretty, pretty slick. I thought it was a great gotcha. way to be respectful of the old Constitution class and not have it look like a sixty-year-old prop. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, so Spock takes this information to his crew, and they decide to steal the Enterprise and go after Lon. 
Uh, and then Ensign, I, I don't know what she is. Jenna Mitchell is her name. I don't think we saw her much at all in the first season. Maybe mm-hmm. here and there um, as like a navigator or something. Anyway, she creates coolant leak and engineering to get everyone to evacuate the ship so they can steal it. Uh, it works on everyone except for Commander Pelia, who sees right through this ruse. She asks Spock if he has a good reason to steal the Enterprise, which is obviously what he's trying to do. And he's kind of flustered, but she turns out she wants to steal the Enterprise too and decides to help him create a more convincing fake leak. Uh, as long as she can be Chief Engineer, which never comes back in this episode. Super weird. I expected her to have to do something. Hmm. I mean, Chief, you got to have a Chief Engineer, I guess. So, And I think it's more of like... Let me stay and do this heist with you, or mm-hmm. I'm going to tell on you, and this whole thing will stop. Oh sure, yeah. Did you hear? Did you hear what they called her? Uh, lanthanite. A land- is the name of her species. Lanthanide, lanthanide. which lanthanide. is a reference to the mineral, the rare earth mineral class, the lanthanides on the periodic table, and. Hmm. I thought it was cool because like they we don't know very much about this. Uh, I've never heard of this species before. It doesn't have a memory alpha nope. entry, which means this is a creation for the show. But apparently this is a near humanoid species uh, that was what was was on Earth and lived among us. And they did not reveal themselves as an alien species until the 22nd century. I thought it's interesting that the, the term lanthanide um, is that the, these elements, these rare earth elements, were named? Uh, even though, because like that's it's a common misconception that rare earth elements are rare; they're actually abundant. Mm-hmm. But the, for the longest time, they would they would quote unquote hide behind other minerals because of the way they were bound, so they would stay hidden. And lanthide lanthanide actually is from the Greek uh, root prefix that means to lie hidden. So I nice. thought it was kind of neat that they're like, you know, we don't know much about the species, but that's a really cool hook that there are aliens living among us and they are yet to reveal themselves. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, they they mentioned, you know, that they remained undetected until the 22nd century. I want to know how long that was. Like, when did they yes. show up? Were they always We're here? Are they about... the indigenous species, uh, humanoid species of Earth? Are they aliens that came to earth did they build the pyramids or right did they did they start tiktok like i want to know how long they've been here right exactly are we talking (laughs) leaf erickson are we talking cleopatra are we talking ramses the say yeah exactly but uh we they were actually more they they showed up in the summer of uh what would this be uh 2219 and then they revealed themselves at 2222 yeah so it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they just came for a really cool concert, stayed for the mm-hmm. sex and drugs, and uh, outed themselves three years later. Nice. Um. So yeah, we we go over to Lon. Who actually, well, I, you know, there's a shot that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um. And also, you're going to skip over Spock's. You know, I guess we already covered the cringe. Oh yeah, I I figured we didn't need to talk about it again, but all right. If yeah, you'd like to, right. how about how about the last captain Zoom? Can you imagine oh, somebody saying Zoom to give an order? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Vamos, yeah. not Vamos, not terrible. Or take it. Or take it. Vamos is yeah, because that's just let's let's go. You know, that's uh, uh-huh. that that that's 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 pretty cool. Zoom is pretty god awful. Mm-hmm. Not as bad as Fox though. Yeah, and it's just like it's just like the whole build up. Like it. This is a thing. We all know it's a thing. We all know. Uh, Picard had a whole bunch of cool catchphrases and tugging on his jacket and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I don't even know that like this has been a big thing that all captains have done historically throughout Star Trek. You know, like I'm trying to think Picard if Janeway and, had one, I don't remember. I mean, Kirk would would bring flash out something for a movie where he'd be like, you know, second star to the left and straight on to you know, do a Peter Pan quote or something to, to inspire wonder and awe and kind of like leave us in a nice spot at the end of a movie. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to kind of like take note of that and make it a little big of an event for like the community and for us as fans to talk about when the show does it. It's mm. yeah, it was always implicit. It was always like a wink and a nod to the audience. Like we know what we're doing here. This captain has a catchphrase. Now it's explicit. Like it's in the world. And I'm like, like, it, yeah, I don't we, know. How I feel we got about the card at Starfleet Academy sitting on his bunk with his his friend that's going to get stabbed by a Nausicaan in a couple of years. He's like, what do you want to say, Picard? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, make it go, make it go. That's going to be my thing. Make mm-hmm. it go. And then he just kept on workshop to make like that's just dumb. it's kind of dumb that this is like an expectation that every captain's going to dream of the snappy thing that they say before an engine ships engage. Uh, right, his first draft was six verses from a Shakespeare play, and that was. <laughs> That's exactly. too much. Too much. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, you can't. That's like, you know, <laughs> that's how we actually lost to that first Ferengi. And he had to get it at the Picard maneuver out because he was so, uh-huh. their ass was so kicked in from him spending three minutes doing a one man Shakespeare show. <laughs> uh, I want it, the ship to go now. Yeah. I like the ship to go now. Uh, I will say, once the ship actually goes, it's super cool. I don't know that I've seen this angle on a warp shot before where they show it from the front of the ship looking back across it and you see the the background sort of like blur and disappear behind mm-hmm. them. I thought that was super cool. They do a lot of really cool things with the camera for a space show where they kind of like keep it spacey, keep keep things uh, unfettered that I, I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of uh, rotating cameras and... Mm-hmm. whirling cameras and things. It's, yeah. it's very reminiscent to late season expanse work, honestly, where they yeah. just for no good reason have someone get off an elevator on the roof mm-hmm. and, you know, you'd just be walking and suddenly people would be on the ceiling. All oh, right, it's a star base. What the fuck? No one cares. All right, you want to talk uh, about what Lon's up to? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. All right. She's winning a drinking contest with a Klingon, which is pretty impressive. I... What species is she? Well, is she, so she is the descendant of Khan. Like, like she's like the great, great, great granddaughter of Noon. So she's got that super soldier gene. But okay. like, we talked about this in the yeah. I, and I thought that was I thought that was cool to have a security officer with like super soldier genes in there. Like, I thought that'd be neat. But it never. It, mm-hmm. I always got the opinion that like the blood had so thinned out that there wasn't much there. But maybe. She still got his blood wine drinking super Seems gene. like it. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, like, Marion Ravenwood, Marion Ravenwooding some fucking Sherpa up in the Himalayans sure. is okay. I buy it. So, 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 that's okay, yeah. If, if you told me that I couldn't outdrink any random bartender, I would say, yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but a Klingon? 
a Klingon. I don't know. She's a little, little. She's a little bitty thing too. Like, mm-hmm. like I to me this every time I see a character like beat a Klingon in a blood wine drinking contest or something like, I always think, oh my god, what is wrong with you? You must have crippling alcoholism. You're tall for sure. you to be with this body shape and this body size, and you're out drinking a Klingon three times. You must have carrying your liver around in a bucket. Like who hurt you? Yeah. Uh, or, or that Klingon is has never had a drink. It's the first time drinking blood wine. Yeah. This is this is he he went on uh, like a, a spring break. This is a spring. This is a Klingon who's on Klingon rum springer. He's he's mm-hmm. he's teetotal blood wine. First he's like ah look at this little Earth girl. I'm a drinker ended up suddenly he's on his back seeing stars. Yeah. That's yeah. the only explanation. Uh, but she does win that contest, and as a reward, she wants to meet Granax. I I don't know. No, <laughs> I wrote it down. Granax. What the? Gr- Granax. No, no guarantees he'll meet with her. Uh, and I don't think, in fact, he does by the end of this episode. And I don't see any reason to stay on this planet. So, Granax, just like background character that we don't no, care Grainax about. I guess? Is, no, Granax. They do talk to him. Like was was the, he the guy who wanted to buy the weapons? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he I mean, was... that's old grain axe. Yeah. All right. Well, that's then the we thing. He had an axe made out of grain. He needed new weapons. He was desperate to get mm-hmm. his hands on because the... Those just... fall apart immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you ever try to cut something with a cornflake? It just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise crew shows up and asks her, what's going on? We got your message. She tells them that a faction on the planet is trying to get the Federation and the Klingons back into the war. Um, so they can jack up the prices of their dilithium because it's the dilithium mine. Um, and apparently Oriana's parents are sick, so the doctors are going to go help her, and Spock and Uhura are going to help Lon investigate this faction. Uh, wh- l- let me ask you this. The, the, what do you think of the show's Klingons? Because they've done several riffs on Klingons lately. Uh, Discovery had a very different riff this looks like a halfway point sort of between the tng era klingon and that klingon are you feeling this klingon i yeah they're all right they're all right um, i think so too yeah yeah i like that they're not like reptile people um they definitely are or just people with with, with weird facial hair <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, they're definitely yeah. They're just not wearing bronzer with uh, the highly mm. highly defined eyebrows and mustaches. Um, I don't know. It's it's it is weird because the, they definitely seem to be experimenting with like more uh, recognizably Earth ethnic hairstyles, which hmm. I don't I don't know how how would how do you feel about um alien species from star trek being heavily identified with like earth genetic racial markings because like so i liked when i, I like, like when they the, do like that is wharf black star trek? is wharf black is wharf black no i don't think so um okay n- not in the sense you're talking uh, and i'm not like this isn't like i can't fucking believe they're making black it's, it's more of like i just never took like vo- so they I might have like- they might have light and dark skin Klingons and they might have all kinds of racial, they may, they may or may not have prejudices and all kinds of cultural things. But like, but like to, to, to say that like a Klingon is black or a Klingon is white or Klingon is Asian is like a weird thing for this show to go in, a, in that direction. And I hope they don't. Yeah. I hope they don't. So I, I mean, look, Star Trek definitely stereotypes their 
alien races, right? Just not with the stereotypes that exist here on Earth right. for, um, for different they have racial... a warrior species or a logical it, species or, right. you know, it, it's, it's not usually like this is a species defined by, you know... A, a whole bunch of in, uh, the, like complicated interplanetary racial dynamics. Yeah, this is um, nothing recognizable as a 21st century uh, yes. allegory. But they reserve that stuff for aliens that are more one-offs, right? The story they want to tell right. in that episode. And I think yeah. that's better. I think that's a better approach because you can kind of get stuck in the mode where it's like, well, now every time we have these people on screen, we have to tell a story that is relatable to the modern context. And I yes. don't... I don't think that's a very good mode to get in on this show. I don't think to be able to tell the stories they need to tell with the characters they need to tell it with. Yeah. It's not something I I don't think they can do. It's more of like it's something Mm -hmm. that they would have to take care to keep. Because it's already kind of – it's always weird for me because I always felt like from the show's perspective, Worf's journey was – be about becoming more human and more comfortable with his human side and there's always the implicit like humans are kind of the only good species everybody you know like vulcans sure. are like yeah they're all right but they're too uptight and they could learn a lot from hanging out with it and vulcan and, and very centric yeah yeah klingons are just are angry and irrational and they're governed by it's like yeah like, like humans was like the ideal mm-hmm. and um i mean that's a certainly a, a flattering thing to be told from an anthropological standpoint but uh in the yeah. 20 in the, in the 21st century i guess i'm looking for a little bit something a little bit more 360 degree retrospective about the species it's all started from hairstyles and i will say it always struck me as strange that every klingon has the same hairstyle like can you imagine if humanity only had one hairstyle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, would, it would be so stupid right like but you we just we probably you could blow somebody's mind by showing them a braid or something yeah. <laughs> like, yeah have you guys never thought to take this stuff that's on your head and do something with it yeah but like if you go back a far enough in human history you probably did you know because you know like gorillas all have the yeah, same but we fucking didn't, hairstyle we hadn't invented space travel and warp right warp drives right my god we can engineer a warp drive but we can't I don't know, put your hair back? Yeah, the idea that you would just have one universal... I mean, sometimes, like, they do that. Like, I think in... Like, I read that in North Korea, like, everyone's kind of, like, styles themselves after a particular type of hairstyle and like when they had the Mao era in China there was everyone's wearing the pajamas and the the kind of the Vulcan cut and... But, but you're right, a whole planet, like, to me, like, what I'd like to see is empire. like, what... Yeah, like in the Klingon, like what, like I would think it'd be cool to have regional differences in Klingons. Like if you're from the mm-hmm. South uh, continent of Quonos or something, then you have this style of dress because it's hotter or it's colder or it's more mountainous. And you know, it, but but like mm-hmm. it, you it's, never it's get something that that I, I don't know. I would say better sci-fi shows do extremely well. I'm thinking of the Expanse here, where. Mm. The Expanse has all sorts of personal expression and regional things going on, uh, even on individual planets, let alone when you're talking about different factions within the the solar system, right? So, like, yeah. they do that really well. Um, it, Star Trek does this all the time, though. Like, look at the Vulcans. Look at the Romulans. Look at the Klingons. Like, all of them have the exact same hair, the exact same clothes, uh, mannerisms, and and way of thinking about their culture. Which, 
if you, you land take on the planet, a, all their habs look the same. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you look at humanity it, under any level of magnification, you can see that we are entirely different across the spectrum. So, like, it's always weird to see such a homogenous view of of a species. Do you but think this is like a do. rare, like, because like I wonder 500 years in the future if, you know, Earth continues to kind of coalesce under, you know, one form of government. And you, because you, you look at like when, uh, like how influential like Greco Roman architecture was uh, throughout all of Europe. And like, imagine that only for hundreds of more years and it, and it's, it goes across all the world. Do you think that we'll, we will homogenize eventually? Like there will be, but but it's the climates. It's it's a lot of it's driven by like climate. It's not like oh we're gonna live in Adobe over here and sure. we're gonna make bricks over here and we're gonna do. It's like you kind of build what you need to keep warm and or cool. Yeah, um, definitely driven by that, and it's in a lot of ways driven by personal taste, which I don't think is gonna totally homogenize. See, I don't know that personal taste would be universal. Like the exactly, idea yeah. that like humans uh, adorn their bodies and their clothing and their homes to kind of reflect their own. Like, I don't know that that would be necessarily something that every alien would do. Like that might oh, be seen gotcha. as highly yeah. idiosyncratic. Like, why would you, why would you spend the energy to make yourself stand out? That seems dumb, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool yeah. to explore some of those differences in Star Trek rather than just kind of remixing earth culture over and over and over again. Yeah, and all this is to say, you know, maybe maybe do something more interesting with the hair. I'm cool with that for the Klingons. Why not? Full mohawks. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not talking. I'm talking like the spiky ones where you got to use like wood glue to maintain. Uh huh. Yeah, the yeah. full like SLC punk. Exactly. Ob from yeah. Sp- the new Spider Man. Yeah. Foot and a half. Uh huh. Yep. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, all right. Mbenga and Chapel go and examine Oriana's parents, and they get noticed by some nasty looking thugs who demand them to follow. They want their medical prowess. Um, I think it's funny that Hollywood writers very rarely can conceive of the scale of a galactic event. They, like, as Mbinga is like talking about the horrors of the Klingon Federation War, and he mentioned a hundred million people died for <laughs> what a parsec of space. Do you guys not realize that the death toll in World War One was higher than that? Like, right. And that's just not even we that's call it on a world continent, war. Essentially. We're we're talking about a <laughs> continent or two mm-hmm. if of, of 20th century early 20th century destruction. I find it a yeah. hundred million dead in the Klingon Federation War to be like like precious almost. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yeah, like it's when a baby comes small. up, like a three-year-old comes up and tells you, How much did you pay for that car? A hundred dollars? Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, buddy, you don't even know. <laughs> Uh, like Christ, can we not throw bees billions of? Di- I feel like I feel like every time someone says says like a billions or hundreds of billions of writers, like Jesus Christ, how fucking morbid are you? I'm like, ah, it's a Dude, galaxy. When the Federation has hundreds of of planets and then dozens yeah. of species in it. It's gonna Presumably, have that many people. Hundreds Klingon, of billions, trillions of people. 
presumably the Klingon Empire also has hundreds of mm-hmm. planets with species that are in various states of thrall or uh, cooperate. Yeah, there should be like anytime there's an intergalactic war, there should be billions dead at the least. Yeah, I wouldn't even sure. I wouldn't even blink an eye if they said they threw the T word around trillions. But it's just always like, oh, a hundred a hundred million the roughly the death toll of three or four years in the early 20th century. Uh, it, right. it's, it's yeah, it's funny. It is. Uh, so then did you want to talk about Oriana? Oriana is the girl that um, in the Gorn episode last season, I forget the name of it, was was the newt um, from well, Aliens. You also recognize her as surely she's Kara the Explorer from the last season of The Expanse, too. Wow. Okay. D- sure. Why not? Let's bring all the Expanse characters. <laughs> I know, over right? To Star Trek. I actually, unironically, like you know, you've got you've got the uh, great value Kamina drummer already. Like, uh-huh. just get, yeah, yep. get get the real. Let's get the real thing. For sure. Get. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, get, she, get she's guys. the girl they found there, and then Lon went off and to this planet apparently to try and find her family, and they did. Uh, they found her family. By the way, I would not hate in season three for them to just like every season they bring a new member from the Expanse cast over. I'd like to see mm-hmm. West Chat. I, I, yeah, I I could yeah. I could go with uh, I can't think of a single person that I wouldn't want to see. No, they were also Star good. Trek. Yeah. Um, so Lon's team meets with some potential weapons buyers and I guess this is Grainax sells them some Federation phasers. Whatever their plan is, is happening tomorrow and they prepare to beam back to the ship, but they find out that, uh, we probably ought to stay cause Mbenga and Chapel are missing. I don't know. I thought that's funny that they were aware that they lost contact with their chief medical officer and head nurse and no and for hours and no one bothered to tell the acting captain. Like, yeah, they knew already. I, oh boy, I get it. There's that's a whole a bunch. Yeah, there's like a tr- bunch of trainees and junior officers and they're understaffed. But like, that's probably something important to tell the captain. You know, probably. I I don't know. It, it's hilarious to me. You call them like trainees and and understaffed. They're also underage. I don't know who the fuck this child that is manning the transporter controls yes, is, but they're they very young. Look like they are twelve. I'm sure they're that's, forty-six, but they look that's like they're authentic, 12. man. Walk around a navy ship. Like there's eighteen sure. year olds <laughs> on that thing. Like, what the fuck? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh it's uh it, it hap it, it can it can happen. It can happen. I guess they gotta go through Federation Academy. But dude can you join that at like like Harry Potter age? Nog certainly joined Starfleet underage. He was super young. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, I guess if your parents signed a permission slip. Wesley? Mm-hmm. Wesley wasn't. He was like, wasn't he 16 when he? Yeah, he had to be. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, what did you think? There, there's a little clue, and I don't know how much of this is like really important, but I, I noticed that they're talking about these Klingons speaking obscure dialect. Like, what are they trying to implant? Like, because it, it to me this was like, um, uh, this is a purely economic thing. Like, you got a gang essentially that sees that they have mm-hmm. an artificial 
uh, scarcity thing that they can pump up their profits on. So they're like trying to do war profiteering. But like this Klingon speaking obscure dialect makes me think that there's something kind of like cultural or religious. Um, or But maybe it's just them trying to stay under the radar and be obscure. So they're using, you hmm. know, uh, yeah. it's, it'd be like using Navajo code talkers, you know. Uh, sure. It's 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 not because the Navajo Nation was secretly puppeting the allies. It's like we were no. using them to yeah. Yeah, it's possible we'll hear more about this later. Um, you know, the admirals at the end of this are kind of like, oh, thank God Spock went off on his yeah uh, crusade here because he he prevented a two front war potentially. There's no did way he, anyone did he permanently prevent it or not. Well, just like, do you buy that the Klingons or the Romulans or anyone would work with the Gorn? Because the way the Gorn were depicted last, it'd no. be like it'd be like someone allying with the Xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. And I get it. There's Paul Reiser, always fucking Paul Reiser. Sure, but, there's a dollar to be made. Yeah, maybe. but but he wasn't ally. Yeah, he was wanting to like capture and use them as a buy. Well, maybe that's just, maybe that's the, the that's the they're going to just run that back. Uh, they're going to try possible. to capture the Gorn and turn them into bioweapons or they're unleashing the Gorn as like a plot, like sacrifice, like pointing them at the alpha quadrant instead of the beta quadrant. They've already done. So they've already done aliens. I, f- I feel like Star Trek has already done alien three with what Star Trek five. Um, is that the one? Where that's one of the God. Which one yeah, that, that's five. Uh, yeah, th- they've done Aliens three. Uh, so Alien Planet? Resurrection is the one they need to do now. Mm. Where like I don't know, Mbinga is begin gonna become the mother of a Gorn or something. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. He's always been part Gorn. I who knows? Oh no, yeah. There's a lot of hidden secrets and layers to these people on the these ships. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Mbinga and Chapel are taken to the Dilithium Caves, the mines, where they find a Federation starship being constructed. Um, and they're taken to the Klingons injured so they can treat them. And they realize, well, the ship is probably going to be used for a false flag operation to restart the war. And they decide to go to the bridge to warn the Enterprise. Uh, was there any hint that the Doctor was this war traumatized in the last season? I don't because he was I, I don't so much of so. his arc was the daughter, right? Yes. And I thought that that was going to be his arc for the entire show, you know, kind of that's like, but like they just dispensed with it super easy, and now they seem like now that he doesn't have his kid to worry about. He's got all this uh, hundred million dead. Uh, the other one's like this, like I. <laughs> Uh, he's like uh, this Klingon's like where did you learn how to treat Klingons from the guy was stationed on the moon of Jagal ah you're a fucking liar no one made it off and he just looks he gets a thousand yard stare it's like the air was so full of blood it rained red and I'm like how the hell would that work plus Klingon's blood is purple (laughs) so I guess he's talking about human blood (laughs) well yeah, it was human and Klingon. It was like it a, was a dark maroon. Yeah, it rained dark maroon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like I feel like they could have workshopped that a little bit because I don't. How do you? How does blood get vaporized? And I mean, I just had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions about the the poetic nature of his description. But it seems Maybe like they going to be the color of Klingon blood in this. I don't know. Maybe it's red. Yeah. Now. Maybe yeah. Yeah, it's true. They they did they've... say something fucked up. 
in this scene where apparently the Klingons have two dermal systems. Yeah. He says your I, dermal system is redundant. Yeah. Two layers of skin, two, not not even layers, but two whole skins. Yeah, apparently so. You just, 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 uh, they're like, like shark. That's what it's, uh, it's like shark teeth. How, how does you know, you work? rip off so, a layer of skin, there's a skin right underneath it, you know? Yeah, but that's all just one layer, one big layer of skin. It's not like, so it must be a skin, nerve endings, and blood vessels, and more skin underneath it. Yeah, some kind of separate, because otherwise it's just thick skin. Like, right. how do you differentiate? It's like rhino hide, but. I, I don't know, man. That's why foreheads get all wrinkly. All those layers just go to the top and po- start piling up and turning in on each other. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I don't think they thought that through, but... Yeah, it's just it's just something weird. It's, you know, like, oh, Vulcans have copper-based blood, but they're compatible with the human genome enough that you can have children with them. Like, I yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's always been a little science yeah. fiction fantasy. Um, I was super interested in how they had constructed a Federation starship from scratch. And I know they were talking about like, oh, this is a faction made up of Klingons and Federation uh, officers, I assume. Uh, they must have had engineers there who were must intimately have. familiar with the construction of a Federation starship. Although when you can replicate, you know, I know I don't think you can replicate a whole starship. There's a whole like page in the star trek next generation technical manual about the the science advisors and the writers kind of having a sidebar about like can you like what what should the star base look like and should it look like a giant replicator can you replicate mm-hmm. and they're like well you know like replicating starships like that takes so much drama you know out of the world and, yeah and it's one of those things where you know you don't you don't want it, the, the loss of a starship to mean nothing right Mm-hmm. Um, human crew aside so like but but even then like if you can replicate large portions you know it, it's it's it, I imagine it's a lot easier to replicate a warp drive when you can just like just 3d print it in like six big pieces you know yeah it would be I don't know and they got I drones see giant replicators. things like that do have drones but they must have had somebody with some engineering knowledge uh, yeah, some pretty significant sure. engineering knowledge, and the Klingons are a spacefaring culture. Like, it's not like they don't know how to 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 the, the, the obviously use the lithium crystals and things like that. Yeah, but it's all the way down to like the transponder codes, which True. to me was that like has to be surprising. Yeah, that's like that's something that like I but I I bet that that's true. Like that you might have to steal a few key pieces, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like how would you be able to replicate a transponder if it's that easy? Then shit. right, what's the point of a transponder then? Yeah, good point. Uh, but yeah, they probably stole that. Uh, anyway, the Mbenga decides, you know what, we can get to the bridge if we hulk out on this green. And he offers up a vial to Chapel, and they both hulk out, and they torture a bunch of Klingons until they tell them about the ship's defenses. Apparently, there are 30 troops on the bridge and a transponder on deck 13. So that's where they're going to head. Yeah, uh, this is th- this is just an excuse for big old stunt sequence, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, this, this is a Star Trek hallmark, a modern Star Trek hallmark. you got yeah. to have the action scenes. If you don't, it's not going to play with certain crowd i guess well but star trek's always had action scenes maybe tng was probably the least actiony of all the star treks but like the old series mm-hmm. and and i know that uh deep space nine you know mm-hmm. uh cisco wasn't above doing the trademark federation hammer fist yeah uh, hammer. 
it's just they have a bigger budget. Like I really like when they duck down in Jeffrey's tube, they do the 180 camera to kind of show the gravity flipping and mm-hmm. uh but I do they do they think through some of the things that, like the, the modern Star Trek, do they think think through of the implications that there is a drug that Federation personnel can take that makes them more than a match for Klingons? Because why in the fuck all the times Klingons have invaded Deep Space Nine in Moss. Why wasn't Cisco going to Bashir and being like, all right, Julian, you know the deal. I need 300 mm-hmm. vials of this green shit because we got a handsome Klingon their asses again. Is it some mm-hmm. kind of treaty they signed that they just won't do it no more? Uh, so it's part of the archaeological medicine. This is just <laughs> fentanyl. I don't know. This is PCP. Yes, it's angel dust that they're just going. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's and also like, what are the draw? Because also it seems like something with no drawbacks. Like, um, yeah, they don't crash like Julie Julie Mal in the Expanse after she uses her thing, right? Yeah, no, there's no like they don't like. I thought like when they started doing it and they're showing like you know like Nurse Chapel weighs like a buck oh five, and she's like slamming these Klingon warriors. I'm like, oh, they're gonna like they're like breaking bones and like they're gonna be like actually fucked up at the end because that was um I used to read Larry Niven, you know, he had the the in space works and there was the man Kazin wars Kazinti are these big bipedal lion tiger like Kazinti from wing commander type deals and hmm. they had these human commandos that through drug conditioning and mental conditioning could channel like all of their body's power into like a single chop or a kick or a blow that could capable of killing a Kazinti warrior but it would like shatter their body or sometimes even kill them the mm-hmm. effort to do this, something like that but like this is just like yeah, take a hypro spray and you're just superpower for five minutes. There yeah. should be, there should be a draw. I feel like there should be drawbacks to explain why just they don't do that all the time, and there just weren't. Uh, before we move on, I have to correct myself. It's Claire. It's Claire who has that ability, not Julie. Because otherwise, gonna get emails. Yes. I know it. I know it. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah I, no, I feel, I feel there like should they be some need... consequence because why not just be on that all the time? Why not just get a drip, a Jim Hadar style drip? Yeah, and just coffee. be on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've moved on from coffee to Ketracel White. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it really gets you up marching out of your bed in the morning. Uh, yeah, I, I for thought, sure. but I, I thought like they they should like these they should be all fucked up and they were like they they got blown out in the space and they got super injured there. But it was a curious choice. It's a curious choice to, in, in, to have this super drug. It seems like it's super easy to take, no side effects whatsoever. It just works. Yeah, I'm curious that if that'll be something that they lean more into or if they explain it a little bit more later. We'll see. Uh, so Mbenga realizes that the ship is warming up the engines as they code this transponder to send a message to the Enterprise. Their beast mode is running out, so they fight their way to an airlock to escape, but the ship is taking off. So they're too late. Are they... I also say this, speaking of leaning out of things, they need to lean out of recoding transporter transponders to do things because I think it's been three out of the last four seasons of Star Trek I've seen huge plot points revolve all around communicating through transponders. Like, mm-hmm. okay, no more. You can't you gotta you gotta you gotta think of some new techno babble, guys. You can't you can't recode transponders anymore. Oh god, what 
I mean, if you Bassard take away everything that Star Trek has overused, they have nothing left. I mean, the deflector dish can't be used, couldn't have been used. That's yeah. In in episode four of the Next Generation, because they had used it too much by then. Right. right. It's just this is like I feel like halfway through Voyager, it's like someone should have come for it. Like we can't reverse polarity anymore, guys. We've reversed yeah. polarity nope. seventeen times. We got to do something else. We got to flip a benzine ring or something. I I don't know. We gotta we gotta introduce a chiral yeah. form. We got we got to do something. But uh, I mean, no the more transponder figure that out, right? Like, oh, oh, you're gonna, uh, alt, you're gonna phase your your. I, sh- yeah. I forget the term for it, where they yeah. change the frequency of their uh-huh. phasers or whatever. Rotate f- phaser frequency. If rotate phaser and shield frequencies. Yes. Oh no, they've ad- all right. We'll adapt. Right. Fine, they've it adapted. Work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're right. You're right. They just need to. They come up with some. There's a, so much, so much stupid engineering, technological speak that no one understands. They're inventing new stuff all the time. No, no more transponder codes. <laughs> okay. It hadn't been bothering me, but I'll look forward now. Uh, here's the thing. I I really like this last scene with Mbenga as they're fighting their way to the airlock, and Chapel is kind of grabbed by a couple of Klingons, and he's staring down four or five more of them. And her juice has worn off. I'm pretty sure his juice has worn off too. I think he's just fighting out of pure hatred mm. and and anger. I I think yeah, this is just pure. That, that slow here. that slow mo body slam was just all in bingo. Uh-huh. I think so, man. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe the, the last vestiges of the juice and and yeah, getting getting the fight or flight jacked up. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it's not that hard to beat a Klingon. You've seen it time and time That's again. True. I mean, Cisco and Odo are fighting Klingons every other episode, even when Odo's a human. Sixty-five-year-old yeah, British French man can do it. Like it's mm-hmm. uh, come on. Bingo looks like he's in prime health, reasonably sturdy. Yeah. Just get put your just lace your 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 hands together. Make that hammer fist hit him Bam. right between your shoulder blades. Boom! Crumples him. Crumples mm-hmm. him like a cardboard box. Body slam was pretty cool. I do hope a body slam becomes a thing in Star Trek <laughs> more. The Mbinga slam. That's what I want to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Not body slam, Mbinga slam. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, a Klingon battlecruiser warps in to the system, to, to, to this planet. Uh, doesn't see the Enterprise hiding among the space junk. And Lon calls to them, um, saying there's no sign of Mbinga or Chapel. But she gets a sign when the Federation ship breaks through the surface of the planet. <laughs> That's a pretty big sign. Uh, that was a really cool shot of her in the foreground yeah. and this thing just rising from the earth and taking off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, man, uh, Spock gets this encoded transponder signal and he immediately mm-hmm. puts it all together. He just like infers yes. the reality of the situation, which I was not bothered by. This is Spock. You, you I think Aaron. Spock can do that. Those Vulcans, they're very smart, and they yeah. they found they they know their way around logic. That's yes. so I hear. Yes, yeah, they're obsessed with it. Yeah, uh, no, that makes makes perfect sense to me. Um, he realizes a false flag operation, and then he doesn't want to shoot the ship down because he realizes they also probably are on the ship if they coded the transponder. So he doesn't want to kill Mbenga and Chapel, mostly Chapel. But what is he waiting for? Necessary collateral damage. Hmm? What is he? Because like I, I, I get all that. What is he waiting for? 
just for him to be emotionally prepared to kill Chapel. Maybe it might be that, or it might be to give them time to figure something out, give them every moment they have to get off the ship. I, somehow. I did think it was a bit of a leap to think that they were still on it. It is, but they, but they lost coded contact. the transponder, right? Yeah, well, so, like, so that implies that they were on the ship. They lost contact with them, so they don't know where they are. So I guess it is a reasonable, it is kind of a reasonable inference. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I I kind of liked it. With these next like few scenes are kind of really cross cut significantly, mm. but I'm gonna take them kind of in bigger chunks. Okay. Um. We see Mbinga and Chapel are trapped in the airlock with soldiers banging on the door. They search the lockers. They find a beacon helmet and an attitude jet, and they decide they're going to jump into space and hope that the Enterprise finds them before they freeze to death. I guess. I guess that's their plan. The Enterprise will see them. Uh, also, I feel like they should really wait until the pe- the the people actually break through the airlock door, because then you could at least like vent some of them to space. True. But also, like they, they have this sense of urgency. I'm glad they had some sense of urgency because also they don't know that Spock's about to fire and destroy them. Right. Although I guess they do. They do know that because they they told they Spock want him to. Do to that. They want but him to. But will he? Who knows? Um. Also, while I'm giving notes to the writers' room, it is 2023, and we have a much better idea what happens to people when they get thrown into the uh the 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 void of space. Hmm. And I implore you to just stop getting it wrong. You're not going to fucking freeze in 60 seconds. You'll you'll yeah. die of a lack of oxygen. And that is true. Like you can't like humans can't survive long outside of because there's no air to breathe. Uh, and it, it's not you can't hold your breath. So it's like, how long can you maintain consciousness when all the atoms of oxygen are stripped out of your lungs from violent decompression? Not long, but you're not going to fucking freeze. And it bothers me that chief medical officer of a starship doesn't know that. I like know, the, like it kind of borderline bothers me that these writers haven't seen the last season of The Expanse, the yeah. best science fiction show. Like, like they all should be watching that. Thinking you've got fucking half the cast on your show now. Ask them. <laughs> yeah, this dude's wife was lovers with a woman who got blown out to space knows all about it was super detailed super realistic and how that all went down and Mm -hmm. uh like no more of this freezing solid in a minute shit all right i don't know i want to see people shatter like t1000 that's what i want to see (laughs) go into space they get hit by a, a micro asteroid and boom they just shatter the other thing is like because they, they were flying through these weird Jello asteroids, red Jello uh, salad asteroids. I, they, they, the Minga could have said the there's planet, I guess. That there's radiate the radiation from these dilithium asteroids could like, but they just established that the the, the lithium doesn't generate radiation. They need yeah, yeah they got you got to have something or just like hey we'll die. There's no air in space. Chapel will die. Our brains will die in less than a minute. <laughs> You know. Oh no shit. No shit. There's no air in space. Okay, let's cancel that plan. I didn't realize yeah. there was no air in space. Yeah. I don't even in the next generation. Like remember that one episode where like Beverly and uh uh, uh, uh Jordy were stuck in the the uh shuttle bay that had a plasma fire and was gonna roast them alive and Bev's like, Okay, here's and what we're gonna vent. do. Here's what we're gonna yeah. do. We're gonna open up the we're gonna we're gonna expose ourselves to vacuum of space. 
And then for some reason, we have to stagger across the, the deck to shut the door after we, we I, I can't remember why. But like, they got it right 30 years ago, man. They mm-hmm. didn't fucking, they weren't like freezing. They were just, Mm-mm. they did hold their breath. I don't know about that. But anyway, we, 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 just, we just know what happens when people go out in space now. And, and it's true. stop getting it wrong. Shields up. Here come the ads. At ease, Ensigns. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, so the Enterprise gives chase through the planetary rings while being fired at by... I- I'm calling it the Federation ship, because that's what they call it. Uh, I don't know, this crossfield class ship. Mm. Anyway, Spock waits until the last possible moment to blow up the ship to see if Chapel and Mbinga can can make it off. Just as he fires, they jump out into space. Enterprise picks up their signal and beams them aboard. And they're both really cold, but they survive. With tears in his eyes, this would really bother me if this was the old series era Spock. But like, I think, mm-hmm. again, like I, I said in the preamble, I think they did a really good job of setting up uh, a, re- a re- reasonably uh, emotional Spock. And I wonder if that's going to be one of the things that leads to the frosting of the relationship between him and T'Pring. You know, the fact that he's becoming a little bit too human for her tastes. That's possible. Or also just a cheating with the nurse chapel that could do it, too. Because <laughs> it seems clear that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of feels there for sure. Um, yeah. Does this let me ask you this. Does giving Spock all these highly emotional relationships cheapen the one that he has with James Kirk later? Because I always felt that was unique in Spock's history where he had bonded with someone so closely that he would show any emotion uh, even in those dire moments. And here he's doing it left and right. Well, unless they're telling the story of this Spock who did that and then got burnt and then realized that he really wanted to lean into the Vulcan side and he wants to be free of these emotions and he focuses up and then, you know, for, for many, many years... Uh, and then him and Bones are the one that breaking back out of that shell to where he can mm-hmm. feel com- a little, you know, a little bit more comfortable with his as as humans. Or like, like uh, to me, the old series Spock, or especially movie era Spock, post movie era Spock, is a fully integrated human Vulcan hybrid. He who has no shame in his game, who understands the strengths and weaknesses from both sides of his heritage, uh, is comfortable in his skin, and like I think this is part of the so like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like um, and and personal journeys are not like just a steady upwards climb. It's usually yeah. climb, stumble, steps back. So like, I, I guess I'm fine with it. It just depends on how well they write it. And I think they are, as much as I am, a little nervous about how horny the show is specifically about Spock and how much of season one his development was all kind of like, you know, Vulcan's gone wild. I think that they're they are kind of like it, it feels to me this first episode that they are kind of like rounding into a lot of like satisfying ways to do this emotional arc for him. That's not going to be just purely, oh, Vulcan's fuck kind of. So, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me, but apparently it bothers you. Okay. You want to talk about it? I'm here for you. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was it was kind of a question that had been like stewing while I was watching this episode and remembering season one. Um, I I don't know because you said okay maybe this is like 
him him experiencing this and he's going to clam back up. But it, I feel like him clamming up, he doesn't have much time to reestablish the character of Spock as we know it, right? In in the perspective from the perspective of a, a Vulcan life. True. Like what 20 years maybe? Maybe? Right. Cuz like James T Kirk, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in like the original series, but 40? I think it's I I always thought he was mid 30s, like prime the physical prime of his life. And how old is the James T Kirk in this show? Like 20 Yeah, late 20s. I mean, he's a captain, so he's got to be he cannot be 25. No fucking way. Did they right. So what does Spock guy? have? Like ten years to clam back up? That doesn't. That seems like a blink in a in a Vulcan lifetime. But like, like, think we know a lot of things happen in that. We know he loses. Like he doesn't lose his Vulcan wife. But by the time we meet that back again in a mock time, they are like she's trying to get him killed. You yeah, know? yeah. Like she's she's trying to like get rid. She's trying to Vulcan divorce him. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and he's gonna lose his captain. Like the Vulcan hello. You know, to to a horrifying disaster that mm-hmm. like I I can and also like the yeah, other thing right. is like that Spock was trying to clamp down and be more Vulcan and mm-hmm. he undid a lot of that conditioning to fight the Gorn. So like to me, it's like that's you know they're thinking a couple of steps ahead in terms of the writing, which is I don't think they've always done on the new Trek stuff. Sure, sure. So I'm a yeah I because okay. I, like every time I see Spock with tears in his eyes, it really fucks with me. And I kind of like feel my hackles, but I'm like, this is the youngest. So like, I I, yeah, I think yeah. they're doing the right thing, but it remains to be seen if they can do it at a high enough level to fucking make us happy. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, when you lay it out like that, it sounds like they're doing pretty good. But I I guess I need to see more of this show to know yeah. where they're going to we'll take see. him. Because I don't know that they can do like a five year mission where he's this version of Spock, and then have me believe that he's going to change two more times over the course of a few years. But we do know that this series is going to end in like some pretty traumatic shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see like, wouldn't that be an interesting like Spock does like really warm up to his human crew members, especially Pike, who's taking an interest in his development. And then that this guy gets horribly disfigured and scarred and maimed uh, as a way to like. And also, like, I think Spock would be smart enough to know that, like, put two and two together and know that, like, Pike spared him this fate. It's, but, yeah, like, I do wonder know, if there's going to be some kind of discussion about that. And there's a them. lot of like, a lot of weight being put on Spock's shoulders. Like, you know, even mm-hmm. the, the Admiral's talking about like, we're going to need every, like, there's almost like prophetic importance to uh, Spock's yeah. journey that was put on him in the finale of last season. So like, I could see all that, um, you know, and it doesn't break him. It just makes him go into this glacial Vulcan mm-hmm. mode at the beginning of the old series. I, I guess that works. That would make sense. All right, the Klingons. Uh, oh, can I say one other thing? On. Yep. One of because I remember from like you know uh, reading all the old star logs and stuff. A lot of people were always trying to figure out ways to square Spock's stated unemotionability with like instances where it seems like he was um, a lot more emotional than you'd expect. And one of the things that like people pointed out was the episode um, of Star Trek where they recut the the first pilot with Pike. And number one and Spock, um, you know, that that they and, and Pike comes in with the wheelchair and he's all scarred and he's communicating with a little b- b- button thing. When they flash back, there's a place where like Spock smiles and seems to like chuckle at something because mm-hmm. they hadn't quite gotten mm-hmm. his character noted 
and uh, that was always like just be kind of like you know star trek didn't care because it was just a silly 60s series but the fans are like you know 20 years later like why was spock and they're like well he was younger and i i wonder if like strange new worlds is trying to because i noticed they do that in picard and even disco it seems like something that the writers like to do is take some of these contradictions and try to noodle with them a bit so it might be that they are yeah. intentionally trying to like smooth the squares from Spock in the pilot episode that was never released to Star Trek, the original pilot with Captain Pike, that he was more emotional and kind of like schoolboy and make that like, oh, that's not just them not having Spock's character figure out. That was actually Spock. And how could that mm-hmm. how could that Spock be? Um, and I, I, I actually think that's admirable. I like it when. They stop. They they do the you know you have a hard retcon and then a later show tries to like smooth it over. Sometimes they do it like to be funny. Um, like I'm thinking of like when in the Deep Space Nine episode when they went back into the Tribble episode of the old series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they you see the Klingons and like Cisco and everybody looks at Worf and like what the fuck is going on with these Klingons? He's like we don't like to talk about it. It's just like <laughs> uh-huh. that's a funny way to deal with a hard retcon. But, like, I also really like it when they do it kind of serious. And if they can pull it off, that would be awesome. If they can pull off this emotional arc for Spock and have him set up to where it gives us a new appreciation for Spock when we go watch the old series, that's Mm -hmm. the best thing they could possibly do. And I'm rooting for for him. All right, the Klingons ask, what the hell is going on? You blew up a Federation ship. Why are you here? Uh, Spock tries to explain, but the Klingon captain refuses to believe him until he speaks face-to-face. Spock offers to buy him a blood wine. Captain accepts. They all go to the planet and party together. Got Pelia and Spock talking about the Lanthanide people. Lon says goodbye to Oriana because she's going back to the Enterprise, I assume. She gives some look that's like, "Mm, I should probably go back to the Enterprise. Uh, Yeah, Spock drinks a bunch of blood wine. Um... I think 17 different characters said some variation of you're not a typical Vulcan to Spock in the last five minutes of this episode. Laid mm-hmm. on a little thick. Laid on a little thick. We get it. Yeah, we, we saw. He's yeah. not a typical Vulcan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's not quite with the shirt off going, woo, drinking blood wine, but he's certainly not the typical Vulcan. Yeah. There's so many mysteries. They the, So I got this uh, uh, chief engineer, I guess now, Pelia, explaining that the first human she came out to was Spock's mom. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like is because I I, when I first like what the fuck is going on with this old lady that she's just going to be down with stealing a ship because she's bored. But I think it's there's more to it. I think there's there's almost like um, a burgeoning Guinan Picard relationship where there's, you know, like, and it's, it'd be more of like uh, before and Spock's not aware of it, you know, but like, there's gotta be some history that went into her deciding to help them steal the ship. Uh, yeah. She talked with Mark Twain uh, a few hundred years ago uh-huh. and he said something about, yeah, there will come a time when you need this to steal is ship. True, cause... You should steal ship. Yeah, I forgot that this is very Guinan. This like, oh, we have another quasi-immortal humanoid species that just hangs out at or ancient or uh, okay. Oh, yeah. This is very very Guinan. How are these? How are the Lanthides different from the Alorians? Are the Alorians just or Lanthides just the Lorians that landed on Earth and decided we're gonna stay? We're gonna stay with these Earth. We're gonna gonna wall with these Earth pigs for a while. Uh, Guess so. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's a definitely like um, a mini puzzle box. This this engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's going anywhere because she says she's you know former chief engineer. Like she's not gonna be on the ship. She's not our new. Please, she's not our new chief engineer. No, she totally is. What she do you can't mean she's be. not? She is. She it was can't in all the, be. It was in all the preseason information. She's going to be the new chief engineer. I don't know if I can engineer. watch the rest of this season if she's the chief engineer. <laughs> Look, I got through season two of Pulaski. Anything's possible. <laughs> Fair. Because she's like Whole best. Because like, like Pulaski is openly antagonistic to my favorite character, Data. Like at least this one likes Spock. You know, if but she's what if like, Pulaski sounded like Fran Drescher? I can't. I can't, man. <laughs> She kept she pronounced Data's name Dada. Like, is that is that bad enough? Like, it's oh bad. man, a fucking Pulaski, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, I I, I I think you know, I I like Carol Kane quite a bit more than you do. So apparently, we'll see. We'll see how she does. It's uh, a little bit well, of a downgrade from uh, God. What was his name? The the blind Endorian. I, I him him hammer hammer hammer. Yeah. Uh, I fucking loved him. He was amazing, yeah. and I'm sad to see him go. But I'm I'm curious to see what they do with the immortal shape shifting or not uh, uh, blending into human type secret aliens. Well, if she's the new chief engineer, I hope they continue the pattern of killing chief engineers once a season. Yeah, and I actually like the writing here, where she, you know, like uh, Spock searching for reason why she helped, and she's like. Well, it's, uh, do you know what the worst thing about living nearly forever? And Spock's like, oh, losing the people you love. She's like, oh, God, no. It's boredom. I, like, I thought that was mm-hmm. really, <laughs> it's the pain shared yeah. by all those who live with half a half open heart. Boredom. I, I, that, was, that was pretty funny. And I your mean, ship has get a bored. shortage of it. You get, yeah, for sure. Uh, eventually, you just get bored of losing the people you love, right? It's like, God, another True. person I love is lost. Eh. I felt this before. I felt this yeah. so many times. Uh-huh. What's new? Yeah. It's probably, I mean, that's probably unironically true. You totally. Know? Yeah. Uh, like the first time you skin your knee, you cry like forever and ever, and your mom's got to kiss it and put Band-Aids and boo-boo, and then it's just like a Tuesday. Same mm-hmm. thing about getting your heart broke a time or two. So it's like, it seems like us humans are very, and I guess any kind of sentient life would be very easy to habituate to whatever you're feeling, any kind of uh, emotional pain you're feeling. Mm-hmm. All right, then Spock gets his ass chewed by the Admiral. Sure. Uh, he doesn't apologize for doing what he thought was right, but the Admiral doesn't punish him either. At least this And I thought time. that, and again, it's like every single time I'm like, this is fucking stupid. The show had a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I cannot believe that he's not getting more of a slap on the wrist for stealing a starship and a disobeying direct Starfleet orders. But turns out the admirals have bigger fish to fry. Much bigger. Much bigger parasitical humanoid lizard fish yeah, to fry. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, it, It's kind of, it's the last scene. It's the big, like, shocking reveal at the end of the episode. But yeah, they reveal what's been bothering them because earlier Pike was like, yeah, and those admirals seem tense. Um, yeah. But what's been bothering them is there is apparently some object headed toward uh, Klingon space. I, mm, I, I'm i not sure. It's it's a Gorn. It's, it's yeah, identified it's Gorn as Gorn in origin. So or something. Could be a Gorn attack ship. Could be... Peace I mean, if the Gorn boy. are like aliens, it could be just a bunch of Gorn eggs type of thing. True. Um, 
who knows? They, they could be, you know, trying to bork it up, right? Well, I reminded me, to, to, to this reminded me so much of the, uh, the I think the drop plot, plot thread of the parasitic aliens taking over Starfleet Command in season one of Star Trek yeah. The Next Generation. For sure. Uh, like, you know, they show that like, oh, you know, b- before we destroyed the mother, uh, there is a signal beaming out into the unknown space. And it was like the implication is a homing signal. We're going to have an invasion fleet. They eventually morph that into the Borg uh, and drop the. But like, I, 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 I always thought that was a chilling way to like kind of uh, to start a, like a potential dark, deep threat arc. Um, so like if they can do that with the Gorn, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, it's a lot harder to hide the fact that you've been gornified, uh, you know, with True. the chest bursting and all that stuff. Um, but just more of like the horror of something that's coming that's potentially unstoppable. Yeah, yeah no, they're it's dangerous. Because uh, we saw how hard they are to take out. Um, yes. So you get a few hundred of those running around on your planet, and what do you do? Man, a death toll the death toll could be in the tens of thousands. On a whole planet, Jim? My God. <laughs> right? Unimaginable number empire. of people died. Maybe a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. If I really stretch my imagination. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting though. Uh and I'm not sure that we're totally totally done with like the Klingon Federation war yet either. Yeah. There there yeah. might be more to come with other factions trying this, or you know, just because this faction got their starship blown up doesn't mean they're not gonna try again. So yeah, it it does. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing tensions between the uh, Klingons and Romulans. That's pretty old school. Diolians get the Diolians involved. Who? The web the the crystalline uh, species that uh, mm. web web everybody up with their trap mines. All right, web mines. I like uh, it. Uh, there's this one scene that we skipped, which is Spock feeling the feels while looking at chapel recovering in sick bay and he can't really express them in words so he goes back to his quarters and plays his loot what is the nature of chapel and spock's relationship because it seemed to me in season one that was a purely sexual attraction Mm -hmm. but it's clearly Did much I, more emotional here. Do I misremember something that happened in the later stages of season one where they got a lot more like emo? Because like he is, uh, or maybe Spock's just inexperienced. He's only had sex with the one woman, and you know he he didn't know that they, he could feel that way about another, and it's like got him all confused. But like I, it feels like this depth of emotion, or maybe it's just overflowing because he's broken down all these emotional walls, and it's like not even about Chapel. Um, I I, I don't know. Yeah, and he's been under extreme stress. Uh, yeah, it's possible, but I i mean, definitely like the picture they're painting here is he feels deeply emotional about Chapel. Yeah, he's deeply affected by her distress. Mm-hmm. He has no um, words for how he feels. No. He's such an I mean, un-Vulcan those... Vulcan. Well, the All Vulcans probably don't have a lot of words for emotion, right? <laughs> to express emotion. They're like the opposite of the Inuit with snow. Like they mm-hmm. get supposed to have like 47 words for snow. They've got like one word for feelings. It's just feelings. I'm feeling yep. things. I don't like it. <laughs> Absolutely. I got to go play my loot and focus on math. <laughs> <laughs> I got to focus on my chord progressions. Yeah. Good stuff. 
but that's kind of the end of the episode. And at the very end, we get a dedication to Nichelle Nichols. They say for Nichelle, who was first through the door, showed us the stars, hailing frequencies forever open. And sweet. Yeah. I thought that was that was nice. She died in the off season last July at the ripe old age eighty nine. Uh, hugely influential ambassador to NASA for over 25 years, uh, instrumental in getting several minority candidates through the app. Uh, I was reading her Wikipedia page. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 yeah, everyone's heard the story, I'm sure. But if you haven't, the idea that she was at, uh, she heard that a fan won the meter and she's like, you know, looking for a trend. Then, uh, it was Martin Luther King Jr., they talked about, hmm. you know, that uh, him and his wife, the only show they let their kids watch, stay up late for is Star Trek. And she was talking about stopping in favor of a Broadway career. And he's like, you can't do it. Like, you've got to be like, you, you are the shining example that like, you know, that, that this is the future that, you know, uh, black folk can can be scientists and lawyers and uh spacemen and women and, and uh we we need that and it was so and that she it, it kind of seemed like a life-changing event for her um mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of you know like uh every, every human story ends in somewhat tragedy uh she had some health problems some dementia at the end but what a what a long and impactful career both on and off the stage yeah uh, absolutely damn we don't have very many of the old crew left like Bill Shatner clinging, clinging like a Klingon to life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is that it? That and Walter Koning. I think I think yeah, Koenig's still alive. Uh, Takai. I think that's it. Oh yeah, yeah, George Takai's still out there. We, we got two helmsmen and a captain, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. I Shatner Rest might outlive me at this point. He seems to still be going just fine. A dude, and 90s. like, if you've seen a recent picture of him, it doesn't look like he's like he stopped aging around Star Trek Six. It's kind of crazy, yeah. It really is. He's ninety years old, and he looks like he's sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, uh, them's the breaks. Star Trek at baldmove.com is how our hailing frequencies are kept open. Uh, you can also follow along with everything that we're doing here at uh, twitter.com slash baldmoves where we post our schedule and all of our releases or go to baldmove.com. Uh, if you like our science fiction fantasy stuff, you might want to subscribe to Bald Move Pulp because, boy, there's a bunch of stuff coming down the line. I think you guys will really like Foundation. It's an Apple TV Plus uh, series. Um, we're also doing this summer. What all are we doing this summer? We're doing Justified City Primeval, The Bear, mm-hmm. uh, season two, um, Star Trek. Uh, I, I think there's the Strange New Worlds. There's one other thing I'm I know I'm forgetting. It's Foundation. Is it those Foundation? Are the, those are the four. Yeah. Uh, tons of movies and stuff. And uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing here at Bald Move, go to support.baldmove.com, or you can get access to our club, which gives you free. Uh, free access to ad-free feeds uh, as well as more great audio bonus content. We're talking about Silo, another great science fiction show on our premium off-the-clock episodes. Check it out at support.boldmove.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another exciting episode of Strange New Worlds. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. I want the podcast to stop now. Now.